Good evening and welcome to Psychedelic Healing. I'm your host, Sonia Cotto, nurse anesthesiologist and mental health advocate. Nurse anesthesiologist and mental health advocate. Tonight, we're going to get a little bit personal. I'm going to be talking about my life, my family, and bring a very, very close family member and my best friend, my sister. Uh, Just going a little bit history um, into where I fell into psychedelics, if nobody has known. Uh, It all started with ketamine, you know, and even going even further. Growing up, I watched my family struggle with mental illness. I remember feeling so helpless and uh, wishing that I could make their pain go away. I was the oldest, so always wanting to make things right, say the right things, do the right things, just, you know, just be the old, the oldest, right? The role that we all uh, fulfill. But I could really never help them. I mean, I even remember just young, 10 years old, just feeling the responsibility of trying to help them, but I couldn't. I'm going to go grab tissues. (laughs) I wasn't good enough to be able to help them. And that is where my story of not being good enough emerged. You know, I love helping people. And I, as I grew older, helping others became actually my passion. I found nursing and then anesthesia. And it just felt so good. I just felt whole and complete and at peace every time I was able to do that for others. But of course, in the back of my mind, always, hey, but you can't help your family. You're not good enough for that. Um, that's kind of been my struggle wanting to help my family. Fast forward to 2019, I was at an anesthesia conference and I heard another CRNA talking about ketamine for mental health. My mind was blown. I mean, I had been using ketamine since 2014 and how had I not known about ketamine helping mental health and depression, anxiety, all these things that I watched my family struggle through my whole life. Even to this day, they're still struggling. And now, you know, I have this tool and this tool is out there for people. Ketamine, it's legal and I know how to use it and I'm so comfortable using it. So when my business partner, Callie, you know, had uh, wanted to open the clinic, I just knew I had to be part of it. I had to find a way that I could help my family. And today I have my sister who was finally able to make 40 hours of PTO, which is impossible to do with three uh, teenagers, um, to make it down to Florida and actually receive treatment from me. So my why for opening the clinic has been like almost completed, you know, just being able to have her come. And tonight we're going to actually have a conversation between Marcy and myself on her experience, what she went through, some fears, her life before and how her life is now. Um it's been transformed, and I'm so blessed uh, to introduce Marcy. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it really has come full circle. <laughs> yes, it has, definitely. I mean, we went through big, you know, cycles, I guess, as every sibling do, from love to hate. But there was a lot of hate growing up, and, you know, we lost touch. And I'm so blessed that we reconnected, and she's actually my best friend. I talk yeah. to her almost every day, and she, you know, she's my go-to, my ride or die. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's weird looking back how there was that that downtime that I can't even imagine not having you in my life for right now. Yeah, yeah. Even so far away uh, in Iowa, you know, just being able to 
video and speak to you daily. It's like we're down the block. So technology. I know. Seriously. Yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> so I kind of want to go into what your struggles were um, kind of pre-ketamine life, like because we're going to kind of compare like pre-ketamine and then during the fusion experience and then like how your life is afterwards. So really for for me, you know, if you want to describe the audience, like what was your main struggles in your life before? Well, I had a lot of anxiety or had, I, I guess it's an ongoing struggle, um, just kind of gauging the different ranges of it. I was diagnosed with ADHD, anxiety, depression, and when it comes down to it, all of those kind of feed into each other. So it was really hard to tell which one came first, um, if they all just kind of worked together to mess me up. <laughs> I don't know. Like, and, a combination of so, everything. Yeah, we have a little combination of everything. And so um, it's just been a struggle to keep that in balance, um, especially, you know, having three kids now and um, just the normal pace of life. It just kind of got to a point where I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression and it 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 just became a normal a normal thing. Like looking back now at the height of some of the anxiety and um and the downs of the depression, it I'm astonished that I I went through all of that and it just was my norm. It was my normal day. And um it, it's it's crazy to me looking back on it now to just realize that I it didn't have to be that way. Like it didn't have to be my everyday but that's all you knew that's all I knew yeah sometimes it's difficult to uh you're comfortable in your discomfort right to change yeah so overwhelming you just knew where you were at you know exactly exactly and yeah you know being comfortable in your discomfort even when you are able to like move slightly past it it you fall into those same comfort zone so it it just felt like a never-ending cycle and I, that's just where I was that's just how I lived and that's that's the world that I was in and I just kind of yeah, and how accepted you, and how was your because you had struggled with alcohol too in that time yeah so I was drinking quite a bit I mean it was it was my like the light at the end of my tunnel at the end of a long day it was the something that I looked forward to and I just remember so many times that we would talk on the phone that we would talk about how I just wanted to want to stop drinking. I just wasn't there yet. And I knew that I needed to be there, but I hadn't wanted to want it, if that makes sense. And I it it was a constant struggle. Like I would I would quit sometimes to try to convince myself oh okay I can quit one day I can quit two days. I'm totally under control you know but looking back on it now I mean I I don't drink anymore at all and it's it's crazy it's crazy how it was my breath at the end of the day it definitely was my everything and I can't I just can't believe how night and day like there's just so much more to my world, to my day to look forward to. And it it's crazy how much of my days were consumed with just 
pouring myself the next drink and then also chain smoke. I was smoking a pack a day, but I didn't smoke cigarettes throughout the day because I smoking cigarettes and, and drinking went hand in hand. So when I was done with the whole like mom deal, cooking dinner or whatever, that's when I would start drinking and I would smoke a pack a day because I would chain smoke at night. And it was that's just crazy now in the night. So it wasn't throwing. I know. It was all in one night. That's gross. Right. And I would start, I know, it was so disgusting, so gross. And it's funny because I never liked the smell of it. I would always hold it like way far away from me and be like, tub, tub. But it was like, I was just, I needed it. I needed it. Yeah. I think that was the one thing that I was worried about when you were coming down for treatment. Like, okay, well, you shouldn't be drinking alcohol, but I don't want you going through withdrawals because that could be dangerous. You know, but it was actually, I don't know if you were like starting to taper off and not drinking so much before you came down because that was like my main worry. Although we started ketamine infusions almost like immediately the day after you got here. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny now that you mention it, looking back, I, while I was there, I certainly seemed to be tapering off, but I didn't do any prep before I came. I was drinking straight up until I got on the plane. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. yeah. Yeah. And that's the beautiful part about ketamine that pe- people don't realize is that it is not addictive and it's actually really beneficial in helping people taper off of bad habits, right? Alcohol, cigarettes, other drugs. It helps with withdrawals. And that could be the benefit that you didn't have the withdrawals from the alcohol. Um, because we did start ketamine infusions literally the day, the morning after you arrived, right? Yeah. Um, but that was what was kind of one of my fears, too, was that, like, is it just going to be something else that I'm going to be addicted to? Because you hear about, like, I know you've told me so many things in just our daily conversations about what ketamine is and all that. But, I mean, I it, it was hard to think of it as not a psychedelic type of substance that that like might just take the place of another crutch you know so yeah I was a little worried about how that was gonna work itself out but it is it is definitely a drug but it's not like a drug drug I don't know how to describe it. It's not like you're like, ooh, that was amazing. Let's do it again. You're like, yeah, it was it was more like, oh, my gosh, how much did I just work out? And like I, I felt like I went through years of therapy just kind of working through some of the feelings and emotions that like I didn't go through my traumas per se, but I went through the emotions that I felt during certain traumas or during certain situations in my life and it was almost like needing a a knot in your back just kind of needing through that feeling and really kind of dissecting it and and finding out you know what's going on with those feelings why did I feel that way and and it's all within my own mind while it's happening right so I'm just sitting there like nobody's telling me what I'm experiencing I'm just literally feeling it and going through it and I mean, I even argued with myself a couple times where I would say one thing and I'd be like, no, that's not true. Like, it's like I <laughs> it, it was so cool how I was just kind of like working through so many things all within myself. It was actually pretty empowering. Yeah. Yeah. To see how much 
we say about ourselves. And there was a few things that came out for you too, you know, because I've obviously been trying to get her to move down here. I mean, logistics of three children in high school is difficult. So that might be some time, but you know, the things and that Florida are expensive. <laughs> yes. There's a sun tax. She said a higher cost of living. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But even, you know, just the stories for you that came out, was there anything in your infusions that really stood out in your, throughout the entire series, actually? Yeah, um, one part, I mean, now that you mention it with the whole, like, moving down there and everything, there was one point where I, and as you know, I started recording myself during infusions because you're kind of in and out of thought and so I felt like if I could say out loud some of the things that I was experiencing or feeling then I could go back and listen to the tape and just kind of remind myself what I was kind of processing through oh my gosh that's so smart I tell uh, I remember that all the time oh really <laughs> yeah always record if you have the recording app always record yourself because you can forget some things and just being able to like verbalized throughout i remember you forgetting some things and listening to your recordings later on and yeah and there's in in one of my recordings i was like saying something about how oh i don't want to forget this because that that was it that it, it was gone it was like i was like i was on to the next thing that i was thinking about and then, no but anyway there was one point where i was telling myself i was trying to find it in my journal here so i could kind of i was listening to the end of one of the audios because I remember the ketamine was wearing off and I could feel it bleeding um, that I was leaving this this space but I remember that towards the end I say I'm scared to break what you have what if I ruin that too oh my god if I move down here I might ruin you too and ruin everything all this greatness that you've created because I'm just this negative thing that just breaks things but I'm not. Why would I say that? I'm not. I'm awesome. And I'll help you fix things. Why would I break things? Like, and that was all like, in one sentence, it was like, I was just processing through this negative talk, you know? And, you know, my story of, apparently, I think that I ruin everything, <laughs> that I break things that I touch. Oh, and just kind of processing through and 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 being able to then tell myself why why would i say that that's not true i don't know that empowering would be the right word but it just felt good to be able to not fight with myself but stick up for myself almost um, and let that negative back talk just chill out you know and and know that hey that's not that's not real you know exactly and that's what a lot of that's what most people experience with ketamine and either in any psychedelic really is that awareness of what your stories are because you aren't going to yeah. own everything, you know, but that's your story and subconsciously the decisions you've made because your fear of ruining everything. So you avoid certain situations that you might ruin it for others or ruin it for yourself or ruin something, you know, just like mine is not, I'm not good enough. Right. That makes sense. That story. So, because being as obnoxious and outgoing as I am, I have social anxiety. And that's part of it is just because I always feel like I'm going to somehow ruin stuff or like, mm -hmm. 
Do you find that it's been lighter now if those stories have reappeared, you know, just in your daily life now? I haven't noticed it. I tried to reflect on that. And the fact is, is even when, even if it were to come across my mind, it just, it's kind of like, pasha, like I just kind of brush it off because it's not, it's not real. It's, it, it's been a weird transformation as far as the way that I look at the world anymore. It it kind of gave me a reset in that I don't, not everything's so set in stone. Like just because I'm offended by something doesn't mean that that person meant to offend me. And if they did, that doesn't mean I have to be offended. It, you know, it's kind of like, it's just so like, I wouldn't say whatever. It's just, it is whatever. It's nothing. But not like whatever in a way like dismissive. It is, it's more of like whatever, like it, it just is what it is. And it's, it's not worth getting all bent out of shape and frustrated over. Like I used to be so uptight. And I definitely have gotten better through the years with age and just experience. But I just, I mean, my kids have noticed it. They've noticed that I'm just not as prone to bark or, you know, jump down on their throats with certain things. I'll be like, well, can you explain to me why you did that? And then we can kind of get to the root of why this ended up like this, as opposed to me yelling, why'd you do this? You know, like, <laughs> It's just more of like a chill. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, and you were telling me before, too, because I remember the beginning, like, sometimes your depression was so bad that you just kind of tunneled yourself up and didn't interact with the kids. And mm. now you're interacting with them. You just want to be with them, right? That's beautiful. I know. It is. It's kind of sad, though, just because... I don't spend that time, you know, sitting and drinking and just binging, you know, Netflix or whatever, you know, I'm more engaged and I'm in the living room and interacting and all that. But now they're at the age where they don't want to have anything to do with me. They've got their own stuff going on. And I'm just like, and the cats and the cradle and the silk, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, they're still, they're still at a good age because they're 11 16 and 17 but the older ones are definitely like I I do have regrets I wish I would have done this sooner so that I could have you know been there more for them I'm embarrassed of how I parented I could have done better it was the best that I could but I could have done better just like I mean with our experience you know there's only so much you can do and there's a max to your capacity and so Hopefully, if they do have any resentment towards me, that someday they'll be able to recognize that even though it wasn't, I could have done better, it was the best that I could at the time. And I was doing the most at my capacity, you know, just like, I mean, in one of the sessions, that's where I came to not necessarily forgive our family member, but just recognize that there's there was nothing to forgive. It was beyond their capacity to give me what I needed from them. And so it was it was almost healing because it wasn't my fault. It wasn't their fault. It just wasn't within their capacity to provide. They can't give me what they don't have. And they didn't have it to give. And so it 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm articulating it very no, well, but that's sound. And it's true because everyone does the best that they can with what they they know, you know. And it's times it's ancestral is passed down from generation to generation of what they knew, you know. And it's you can't blame yourself for being born into that, right? We can't change that, but you took the steps to change yourself. And then change the patterns that your your children and their children will have, right? You took that step, and now they will experience the life of of you as their mother interacting and not you know being so depressed and not drinking alcohol anymore and not chain smoking. So there was that, right? There was the isolation because you don't want them to be around the smoke. So you're out either in the garage or out. Right? Exactly. And so I had to separate myself. So it just, yeah, there was that isolation. Um, but I think what ketamine really helped me with a lot is just understanding the like the the dynamic of life, like how I was saying everything's kind of whatever. It's it's not so much that you go through it and you're like, oh, this is the person to blame or this is to blame for this or this is the blame to blame for that. Everybody experiences things so differently. We grew up in the same household and we got out of it so many different things that like it is just so crazy when we talk about our childhood and how very different it seemed but we were in the same house and it all has to do with our perspectives it all has to do with our own stories so it very well could be somebody to blame in your life for certain things that they've done but it very well could just be your perspective and how you received it and how you were feeling at the time and how then you built that into your story on who you are you know so it's kind of just like really breaking down your feelings towards all of those things to go into some of those treatments and the sessions and being able to you know like meet little marcy and talk to her and tell her that i love her and that i'll always be there for her you know originally i thought i was talking to our family member like oh this must be that person because they need me or whatever but really i needed me and and to kind of just come to that realization that um I just needed that little pep talk and that was part of a source of where a lot of my my story came from where my when I, when we say story it's just like the story that we tell ourselves that like as we're growing up like I will ruin things you know like that's where my story came from because I just always thought that you know certain ways about myself and well, and you were also told, but you always got to ruin. I remember just being a kid, just remembering. Yeah, that things they didn't help being told that I ruined everything. <laughs> it just was like the cherry on top that, oh, yeah, yeah, that was correct. Valid. Oh, in case I doubted it, there it is, Jeff. <laughs> exactly. Thanks yeah. for the reminder. <laughs> what was probably one of the things that you were worried? I mean, I know you were worried about like uh, getting another addiction right but what was the thing that worried you or maybe probably your biggest fear about ketamine or actually having the ketamine infusion because you were actually very very nervous and anxious the first day i don't know that i think i was just anxious because i'm anxious for any situations that i don't know ahead of time like i don't know if you know this about me i feel like i've told you but i there's movies that are like suspenseful movies i will watch the end of the movie just so I know what to expect. You told me that. And then I'll go back to the beginning to watch the movie to enjoy the story. 
but I can't deal with the anxiety. It's too much. So like just not knowing was part of the anxiety of it. And it's even like, even if I were to describe it to somebody else, I would imagine everybody has their own, their own experiences with it. So not everybody's going to have the same type of experience, but I know I did um, have some anxiety, you know, leading up to it. Something I don't think I did tell you, but I was a little worried because it was something that you had always wanted, you know, me and our family members to do um, to to help fix us is that there was a fear that it wouldn't work and that it wouldn't help and how that would affect not necessarily affect you, but affect your story I guess, and the way that you, like, man, that was sucked, right? That would have sucked. Like, you're like, all of this, I did it all for you, and now nothing. Oh, no, no. I just, from the very beginning, I knew that I could, I could help you for sure. Just because we've been coaching, and if you've ever had a personal conversation with me, I will voluntarily start coaching you without you asking for help so uh-huh. i've been launching yeah. marcy for a while i know free sessions my whole life yes yeah. yeah so it was um i knew that on top of the ketamine just to be able to you know get rid of the habits get rid of that negative self-talk because we all had that i didn't actually realize yours was i mean it makes sense now that you were on everything not because that you actually do but because i remember hearing it as a child you know, when you know, not spoken to you. So, well, and the whole purpose of my existence. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, I knew that there was work and it was inner child work. And you know, what's funny is that I was telling you about inner child and little Marcy and you didn't believe me until you went and spoke to an erosion coach. Oh my gosh. So many things. You know what? So many things you tell me. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then it happens. And I'm like, yep, you were right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There was one point in time I thought that, you know, and I think I mentioned this a little bit before that I thought I was talking to a family member. And maybe I should go back. When I say I thought I was talking to, know that in my sessions, I was not, it wasn't like a daydream per se where I literally saw crisply people and things I saw auras of energy and I just inherently knew that this certain dark energy or this light energy was a certain person so it wasn't like I saw it like a movie or you know like anything like that but I just knew that there was this little kid and I assumed it was this family member because the traumas that they went through and in their life definitely was the catalyst to how they then treated us and it it just kind of all rolled from there so I just remember thinking I need to be this person's friend I need to hold their hand and let them know that I love them and that I will be here for them and that even if nobody else is here for them that I will love them no matter what and then maybe that'll be enough maybe then they'll be happy and then they won't abuse people in the future you know and make them and go through traumas like that. And then to come to find out that it was actually me. That was me that I was trying to hold the hand. It just made sense. Like, that's why I think the integration counseling is so important with this. Because you could sit there and, and go through all of these sessions and experiences. But to really have somebody to sit down and, like, 
bounce your ideas off of and kind of flex your brain muscles on on what certain things could mean and really go into depth and and you know not to contradict what you'd already thought but just to kind of um challenge them maybe so that you could see things in a different way and it's funny because she would say one little thing not even like challenging me necessarily but just asking me so what did you think of this and i'd be like oh my gosh i never thought about the fact that this this and this you know so it was um it was really important for me like i looked forward to the the counseling afterwards because i was eager to share what i'd been through to see if there was maybe other perspectives or other other things that i should be questioning to kind of broaden my my understanding of what i had experienced and what i was feeling you know that's definitely the most important because imagine having all these experiences and then having to process them yourself, right? And you're actually an amazing journaler. You journaled so much and that was great because that is a very difficult thing for other patients to do. And I tell them, you know, that's how you solidify. That's how you process because when you're thinking things in your head, it's a left-brained activity. When you write them down, you're activating your right brain and that is what connects your subconscious. So as you're writing, that's a completely different process than even just typing, right? We'll say, like, I found it hard a long time ago to journal. And anyone who's struggling with journaling, just start writing things down. Sounds stupid. I have, like, I could look and find different places where I'm like, that I literally wrote, that sounded stupid. LOL. My handwriting sucks. Or, you know, like, just as <laughs> As long as you're speaking, as long as you're saying something, just kind of putting your thoughts out there. Um, It doesn't have to always be profound and beautiful. Like, I always thought, oh, gosh, if anybody read this, I want them to, you know, think that I was an excellent writer. And yeah, like, no, it just needs, it's only for you and your process. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's also important, too, uh, as a caveat, and then for you as well, because obviously it's been uh, a month. Right? A month and a half? Has it been? Because it was in, or, oh yeah, in December 1st, you flew back. Oh my gosh, it has been two months. Wow, you're doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. You know, sometimes triggering events come up. There's a person or a certain event and people think, oh, think poorly of themselves when they do explode or do have an episode. But it's a light bulb moment because if you have a trigger... That's where you need to work still, because that's the area in your life that's still bothering you some in some way. So you need to bring out that piece of paper and put it on and, and start writing. And you write, what pissed me off? What happened? Right? And you objectively write what the event happened. Why did it upset me? And you answer why it upset you. And then you ask, but why did it really upset you? Because most of the time, it had nothing to do with the event that occurred. Right. And you want to keep asking yourself, why, why, why? Yeah, I was driving in traffic. Bad drivers always piss me off. I'm not the best driver either. And I remember that there was this person who um, I was in the inside lane. They were in the outside lane and they were going really slow. So I was like, I have way more than enough time to zip in front of them. Right. So I zip in front of them. And by the time they get close to behind me, they've got their hands up in the air. They're all like. And I'm just like, what just happened? I didn't, what, what? So I put my hands up in the air. I was like, i sorry. And they were just like still yelling, like shaking their hand at me, like, how dare you kind of thing. And I'm just like, 
in my mind, I just started laughing because I didn't know what else to do. And I'm just like, I don't know what just happened in your world before we interacted with each other, but this clearly has nothing to do with me. And exactly. old me would have been like, no, F you too. And I would have flipped the bird and like, you know, probably did some things out the window and, you know, like, <laughs> but I like automatically I was like, I don't need that energy. I know I didn't do anything wrong. So anything you're mad about clearly is outside of me. And so I don't, you know, and then thankfully we went different ways because I turned and she didn't follow me. So I was like, phew. <laughs> but just like Crazy little part. things like that. Crazy part, 99% of the time, it has nothing to do with you. Oh, every interaction, it's all within themselves. Most of the time, if I'm agitated and I'm stern or mean to somebody, it's usually because I'm struggling with something else internally. And they just happen mm-hmm. to be in my path. You know, so good for you. You know, our road rager. <laughs> I am a road rager. That's true. <laughs> Something that I also noticed is just interacting with other people. So I know like my close friends history with like their childhood and different things like that. And then so just interacting with them and not talking about anyone in particular, but just in general, I've noticed like the way that certain friends will react to a certain situation and it either used to be frustrating or it'd be like, oh, you're doing too much or, you know, like whatever the case may be. But now I look at it and I'm just like, well, of course, that's how you feel, because this is how life has broken things down for you. And, you know, so like it's not that I'm tiptoeing around them because I'm not. I'm just more understanding that their journey was also difficult in certain aspects and just sympathizing with that perspective that they've gained in their life and just kind of, you know, rolling with it, knowing that their frustration right now has nothing to, again, nothing to do with me. And it has everything to do with how they've perceived things in the past. And now they're somehow relating it to the current situation. And it's, it's, it's not necessary to make them feel as though it's, it's true, you know, and just kind of, not coddle, but just, just kind of yeah, empathize and roll with it and just kind of know and not take it personally. I think a lot of times if I when you take it personally, then all of a sudden they feel defensive, even though they have every right to feel the way they do. They might not have every right to react the way that they're reacting, but their their feelings are justified. And it's hard to find a balance in that dynamic of how you're reacting and feeling and all of that stuff. And so I don't know. I just feel like I don't struggle with that as much. It's I don't know if being like Zen is the right way of explaining it, but I just feel more at like, like, let's break this down and talk about it. Like you kind of feel any like, capacity to work through it. Right. Right. It's always been. I used to not have the bandwidth. I just didn't have the bandwidth, the patience to deal with trying to break down how everybody else around me was feeling and I quite honestly didn't care it was all about me and I didn't care as long as I got my you know own feelings fulfilled um which sounds very selfish it wasn't always so aggressively selfish but I think ultimately that's that was my end game and so I just didn't have the time you know and it's just so much more chill I like I like me now I think that was one of my goals too is I wanted to to be happy but I also wanted to like me 
as cheesy as that sounds. <laughs> no, no, because you didn't like yourself. I knew that. And now you love yourself. You don't just like yourself. You love yourself. Well, because I'm pretty freaking awesome. You are. Yes, you are. Because now you're aware of that story that it was all made up. Oh, I did want to ask you, because this was always puzzling to me. So alcoholism, it's a physical addiction. I don't understand how all of a sudden, like, how come I didn't go through withdrawals? It was literally to your viewers out there or your listeners out there. It was night and day. I went from drinking every single night, five to six vodka cranberry drinks a night or more. I honestly would lose count. So five or six is either when I stopped or when I lost count. Don't know. <laughs> and then to going to cold turkey, quit smoking, cold turkey, quit drinking. Like how, how was my body not like going through withdrawals? That's the part that I don't get. Was I just not as addicted as I thought or what? What is there like a scientific breakdown for that? Yes. Well, I won't get all like nerdy into the molecular scientific chemistry you, part you of it. You back. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but adamine is amazing in that it just naturally will rebalance all the neurotransmitters. And with alcohol, um, it's a lot of uh, sugar. And okay, all well, me being stupid, neurotransmitters are just the the messenger. Like, it's going back like, and forth between the eyes of your brain. Okay. Yeah. So like serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine. Dopamine is like where really the addiction is the di addiction neurotransmitter where you're just always searching for that next high, you know, the excitement and all that, the reward system, you know, so you're actually, and then alcohol works also on the GABA, but it's also a high sugar. So you're going through multiple withdrawals like sugar, the alcohol, the dopamine. So it's all these neurotransmitters that ketamine naturally will rebalance it by increasing glutamate. Glutamate is like, out of the other ones that I named, they're all, this one, the glutamate is the number one neurotransmitter, excitatory. It stimulates everything, right? Okay. Depression, with poor diet, with, you know, chronic stress, you know, pretty much everything you experienced, right? You drop the glutamate. So now the excitatory, the, the front of the brain doesn't have that, you know, energy because it doesn't have enough glutamate so your personality your goals your values everything that lies in the front of you front of your brain gets depleted you know and that's where the depression lies with the with, with the addiction well with depression in general just with this okay. neurotransmitter right okay ketamine when you're going through withdrawal so when patients and this is very important out there that you should not do this on your own because if those are doing this with lozenges at home or nasal you need to do this under medical supervision but when i'm tapering patients off of medications i will give them in ketamine infusions like as the the tapering so you're let's say you're you flew in on friday and you probably had a, a drink that thursday night so you probably skipped a, a drink or something on friday but by saturday morning you were having a ketamine infusion the ketamine will actually subside the withdrawals of opiates, of uh, benzos, of alcohol, of other systems, you know, any other type of addiction, it will actually stave off the withdrawal symptoms and stabilize in a safe like, manner. Do a full reset? 
Now, or is it one like a slow reset? Oh, okay. It's a slow reset. There's multi, it's multifaceted because there's, there's two things. There's the habit and then there's the chemical, right? The habit of, regardless if you were not addicted, the habit that you went every day after work to have a drink and have a cigarette. That was like, you knew like when I go home, that's my reward, right? So there's that habit, you know? So that's why after a ketamine infusion, we don't allow our patients to go out and smoke. You know, because now you're engraving this habit, yeah, to make it like a permanent. Like if you're if you're in a chain smoker, if you're smoking after ketamine, you're going to become a chain smoker. You really want to change the habits. Ketamine is beautiful in that it allows you to it quiets down the default mode network, is where our subconscious habits lie. Right? You always do one thing. For example, every time you wake up, you go pee before you go poo right? Or you go let the dogs out before you go to the bathroom. You always have your cup of coffee before you take a shower, you know, that kind of thing. That's a habit. With ketamine, it allows you to erase all of that and start over. I described to my patient. I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine I described everyone. Imagine a forest, you know where the trail is, right? Because there's no grass growing there. That's a little path for you to walk. With ketamine infusions, the grass regrows and you get to choose a new path. So it's so important for you. Your goal was to be happy, to not smoke, to not drink, right? And you actually started doing that. What's important in, you know, the actual physical addiction aspect is that we were doing infusions pretty regularly for you every other day. We did, normally I try to spread out ketamine infusions if it's just mental health, but when there's addiction at play, then you do it more frequently, like three infusions a week for the two weeks would make the six. And that's what we did for you. So anytime you would go through a withdrawal, which is probably like every 24 to 48 hours, you were having an infusion. Somebody was coming to you specifically for treatment for addiction. Would you recommend a a session schedule similar to mine? Exactly. So we would look at what dose they're on tapering, whether they're off coming off of benzos or they're trying to get off of opiates. Obviously, when it's like benzos and opiates, we're working with their, you know, medical doctor in that tapering schedule because it works, you know, we definitely want everybody on board. It's definitely a collaborative team approach, but we definitely time it so that as they're going through the withdrawal in that taper, taper meaning like decrease, then to subside the withdrawal symptoms, right? So then they can go through that next 24, 48 hours without the withdrawal symptoms, which is what usually makes the people start using again, whatever it is, because the withdrawal is so bad if they don't have that support. So the ketamine will allow them to, you know, to, to not experience that. And then also having the vitamin nutrients, that's also important. And so you got a vitamin uh, infusion, every, every infusion. So that helped with pulling up the nutrition, the hydration and everything that your cells were lacking. And then it also helped with that sugar, the withdrawal. So a, a multitude of combination of that you know, benefits in trying to... I got the gold star treatment. Yes, you did. You know, people high up. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> Actually, all my patients get my... When they're in there, they're my pa- they're my family. Even yeah. with anesthesia. That's why I like yeah. that. Yeah, one-on-one love. So... Do they all get the foot rubs too? No, no. No, only you got... No, just me. <laughs> yeah. I just got that. Yeah, that was, that was a yeah. beauty sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, no, I am, 
so blessed that I was finally able to have you come down and give you treatment. Like you honestly were my why for opening the treatment because knowing that I wasn't ever able to help you and now that I was, like, you're awesome. You're doing so amazing. Thank you. Ketamine for everybody. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, it's so therapeutic and healing and I'm so happy I was able to give this to you. Thank you so much. I hope you share and tell everyone, you know, like your treatment and and eventually I'm to Florida. Boop, boop. Yep, yep. And then we can share clothes. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Marcy, for coming on and sharing. I know you were a little scared. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. If anyone else out there is looking for possibly ketamine infusion therapy, you know, definitely reach out. Uh, you can look at our clinic, ketamineclinicsouthflorida.com, but there's also other resources. I can We can help you find a clinic near you. Uh, and just to ask questions even, I mean, you're so knowledgeable. Like, Sonia, I go to her for everything about anything and everything, and I'm like, can you just break this down for me? They're, they're all great there. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of Psychedelic Healing. Have a great night.